Well, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Bill Wegner. I'm your host here for the podcast, Returning to the Heart of Jesus. And uh, this is our second in a series uh, entitled Faith in Sports. And we're very happy and very excited to have an extremely special guest with us today, uh, George McGovern. So let's begin as we begin all things. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Well, hello, George, and welcome. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for agreeing to come on. George is a, a, a longtime friend, and he's, uh, he's the uh, Metropolitan can I say that, uh, chaplain for yep. Athletes in Action. And uh, he's also very much involved uh, with the Yankees in uh, as uh, uh, a chaplain for them also. And uh, I'm probably messing up this whole, uh, all of your... Okay. But you know what? So we, we know that you're a big deal, okay? We, we can all acknowledge that. So, um, and as I said, welcome George, I want to I want to start by uh, telling a little bit of a story about the first time that I was introduced and met George years, quite a few years ago, and uh, I I'm not sure where it was at a, a dinner or a, some kind of a golf outing or something like that, mm -hmm. and I was introduced to George and and I, I remember I remember going home to my wife Cheryl and saying to her she said to me so how was the event whatever it was. And I said, I have to tell you, I met the greatest guy in the world. He has the coolest job of anybody I've ever known in my life. She's like, what? I said, he's the chaplain for the New York Giants and for the Yankees. I said, how cool of a job is that? Well, the negative side to that is my wife is a uh, from New England is a Patriot and Red Sox fan. So you know what, George, as impressed as I was with you, she was not. Okay. <laughs> I love it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So uh, um, I, I wanted to tell that story, but, and I was, as I said, I was very much impressed with, with George and it and what he was doing with the Yankees and, and, and with the Giants. So Maybe we Billy, could start Billy, off. Me, can I interrupt here? Uh, can I tell you a quick story in response sure. to your story? Yeah, okay, uh, sure. My oldest daughter, Kelly, went to Westchester University in Pennsylvania, met her future husband there, Jim Vaughn, and uh, they were married and had children, you know, three, four years or so after marriage. And uh, first daughter, Gracie, and we bought her a Yankees uh, what do you call it? like a onesie, you know, with a New yes, York yeah. on it. And I later learned shortly afterwards that Jim would not allow Kelly to put the onesie onto Gracie because he's a diehard Phillies fan. He's a diehard Eagles fan. <laughs> and so we learned early on in that relationship not to buy our grandchildren, at least the Vaughn kids, anything <laughs> with giant or, or Yankee memory, uh, uh, emblems on them because Jim uh, is diehard Philadelphia and uh, that's a, anathema to him. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. 
my, I, I kind of have the same similar thing with my, I have a son-in-law and he's uh, born and raised in New Jersey, but he loves the Red Sox and he loves the Patriots because I guess uh, relatives a hundred years ago lived in Maine. So, uh, and now his little boys are constantly wearing Patriot and Red Sox gear. I do not let them in my house. I think there's, I think there's one standing out on the porch from yesterday. Anyway, we haven't let them in, but uh, so I, uh, we've acknowledged that you have this, had this really cool job. So tell me, tell me a little bit about your background. Tell the, the folks, how did you get there? How did you get to be the chaplain for those two teams? Long story short, grew up in North Jersey and Bergen County. Grew up uh, actually uh, following the Yankees and Giants, but I was uh, not a, a real good athlete in high school. I was kind of like a jack of all trades, master of none in yeah. terms of sports. Yeah. Uh, went to college as an agnostic, didn't really have any church background to speak of. Uh, and it was while I was in college that I was challenged, confronted with the Bible as a book of authority on how to have a relationship with God and uh, became, I identify my freshman year in college as the year that I became a Christian, that I believed that Jesus was who he claimed to be, died for my sin, rose from the dead, and uh, uh, I embraced him as my, as my Savior and Lord. Continued to be involved uh, in college with campus ministry, went, went on the staff of a parachurch Christian organization called uh, Crew or Campus Crusade for Christ, and uh, stops in University of Georgia, Marshall University, and then Rutgers University uh, in New Brunswick. While I was at Rutgers, I was uh, had been there for 12 years or so. Uh, was asked to switch from the campus ministry side of Crew to the athletes in action side of Crew or, or their that division. And that would involve uh, involved switching to uh, working with professional athletes in the New York metropolitan area. My wife and I, my wife Cindy and I prayed about it and we felt it was, we just had our fourth child and it just seemed to be the right time to transition to a uh, type of ministry that'd be more family friendly than the campus ministry, which can be very hectic, many hours, uh, evenings and whatnot. So it worked, that, it worked out that we were given the New York Jets and the New York Mets as two of the teams, as the two teams that we would serve as chaplain. So we commuted from New Brunswick, New Jersey to Hempstead, Long Island, which is where yeah. the Jets had their training facility, and then Shea Stadium in Flushing, Queens, where the Mets played. And all the players and their wives lived out on Long Island. So we commuted regularly to Long Island to work with these two teams and their coaches. Uh, after six seasons with each of those teams, we were asked to switch over to uh, the Giants and Yankees, which was geographically a, a much better move for us because uh, they uh, the Yankee Stadium is much closer in the Bronx than uh, yeah, sure. Sure. and uh, the Giants played at, at Giant Stadium and they all lived in New Jersey. And so it was uh, <clears throat> um, geographically a, a better move for us. So uh, that's kind of how we got to be with the Giants and Yankees. Uh, started in, with the Mets and Jets in 90, switched over to the Yankees and Giants in 96. So I caught the Yankees at a good time. Yes. They won four out of five World Series the first five years I was there. 
So now, they, let me ask you this. Did they give you a ring? Uh, they did not, no. Oh. But uh, I learned that them. if you Get take one of those. responsibility for the wins, you've got to, as a chaplain, you've got to take responsibility for the losses. And I had spent oh. six hard seasons with the Mets who were always <laughs> finished at the bottom of the uh, American League East. And so I refused to take responsibility for their losses. Thus, I could not <laughs> take responsibility or accept the, the responsibility for the win. They could have used a scapegoat, you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's for that's sure. Right. So tell me, tell tell us um, when when you're when you're with the let's use the Giants first. When you were with the Giants on a regular basis, um, what did you do? What did you do for them? I know you probably counseled people and and so on, but tell us a little there, bit there about are certain. There are certain uh, moments in each week of a of the NFL where uh, the chaplains uh, come into play, if you will. Mm -hmm. On Saturday evening before a Sunday game, there's a mass and a chapel simultaneous uh, before the evening meetings. And so I would go to the hotel. Father Bill Dowd would be the, was the uh, Protestant chaplain. I'm sorry, the Catholic chaplain when I was there with the Giants. And uh, Bill would lead a mass, officiate at a mass. I would oversee the Protestant chapel. And that was a weekly occurrence. So I would prepare a message. It's, it's a no frills church service, I would call it. There's no choir. There's no collection. There's no, um, no collection. <laughs> no, no special music or anything. Uh, <laughs> it's simply I would ask one of the coaches or players in the room to open up in prayer. I would share a message from the Bible and then I would either close or ask a, another player or coach to close in prayer. So it's about a 20 I don't know minute. if you remember this, but you did ask me once to come and speak to the Giants. You know, I thought so. I didn't want to say I'm sure. Obviously, it was very forgettable, my talk. But <laughs> but yes, I did. And uh, I came out. It, it was, I'm not going to take up your time, but no, I came out to Philadelphia to, to downtown to the hotel yep. and we had dinner. You, me, our uh, mutual friend, Peter Grandage, yep. and a young man named David Tyree. Oh, okay. And I remember talking to David and he was sharing with me that uh, he was having a tough time. You know, he was, he didn't know if he was going to be with the Giants the following year and so mm. on and so forth. And then he did something like made this phenomenal catch. Have you heard about that? What? So you spoke the year that we went to the Super Bowl? Is that accurate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Great. Yeah, it was great. And all I could think of after speaking to them and Eli Manning was there and a lot of guys you don't know, I didn't know. And all I could think of is, oh, my goodness gracious, Lord, please let them beat the Eagles the next day. And they did. And they did. It was a great game. I should have had you back more often. I, I know. I wanted to take full credit for that victory. <laughs> it was a great experience. It was a great Real experience. quick story, uh, Bill, if you don't mind, about that season uh david tyree lost his mom i believe it was uh just a couple of weeks left in the season yeah. and um she passed on a saturday evening while david was at the hotel with the team for getting ready for the next day's game mm. charles way who i think you also know um uh, got the phone call uh, alerting uh, the team of, of David's mom's passing, he went into the team meeting and asked Coach Coughlin if he could have David come out to, to alert him to his mom's passing. So it was a very 
tender, uh, grieving time that evening. But I'll never forget, uh, Coach Coughlin uh, called the meeting to an end uh, at that moment, came out into the lobby, and David was weeping, and Coach Coughlin put his arms around him and like a father joined him in in his grief they sat down together and for I, it seems like at least 15 20 minutes they embraced one another and tom coughlin great man uh yeah. played the role of a father to a son who was grieving over the loss and it was just a beautiful uh a beautiful picture of God's love for mankind that Tom expressed to David. And we went on, as you know, to win the Super Bowl and David's catch in that Super Bowl was momentous. And uh, so it was just, a, but that little story uh, just reflects the, the health and the, and the beauty of the team that year for sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I interrupt. Sometimes, uh, as fans, sometimes you didn't always hear uh, good things about Coughlin, you know. So yeah. it's really nice to hear that story because he was he was a tough guy too. He had that General Patton type of yeah, oh, yeah. posture, but yeah. there was a side of Tom uh, Coach Coughlin that many didn't see, and it was that fatherly, loving side. Yes, yeah. Oh, that's great. And so during the course of the uh, season. What, what other stuff did, I know that you counsel some of these guys. Do you, uh, how, how, how'd you go about that? Did you try to f identify people who maybe weren't uh, having a, you know, a faithful walk with Jesus, but that you thought that maybe could? Good question. Let me, let me finish your, the answer to your first question. We, we also had a weekly player's Bible study. We also had a, a weekly coach's Bible study. Hmm. Uh, and then, as you said uh, in this last question, there were moments when I would look to meet with a player one-on-one, -on -one, either over lunch in the, in the uh, facility's lunchroom, or maybe after work, after their practice was over, or maybe in the evening. And it, it really varied. Some was premarital type of counseling. Some yeah. was marriage crisis type of counseling. Yeah. Some were uh, the fellow just tore his ACL. It was an injury, maybe career ending, at least season ending. Yes. Uh, and so just coming alongside and trying to be a, uh, a sounding board and a, a listening ear to someone who was going through a hard, hard time. Sometimes it was the loss of a brother or an uncle or cousin mm -hmm. due to a tragedy. And so it, it would really vary depending on uh, the, 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 uh, the player's situation and the, or the couple's situation. That's so, that's so uh, intelligent, if that's the right word, on the part of uh, the NFL to have somebody there, such as yourself and Father Bill Dowd, who I know because I actually did a parish mission at his place. Ah. And I will say this, uh, Father Bill Dowd, uh, from the Archdiocese of Newark was the most popular priest. Is that right? Because, I'm not surprised, but I... Well, uh, you know why? Because they thought he could get them giant tickets. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I could see that side, but I also got to know oh, he's a great guy. 20 years and just a, yeah. 
Yeah. What a wonderful friend. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. We had a lot of fun there at that mission. And, uh, but, uh, um, so tell us, you, you know, you, you, you told us about your background and how, how did you get there and all of that stuff. Tell us what you do today. Uh, you're not as directly involved in the NFL. And, right. Uh, I, uh, when I turned 60, I felt, <clears throat> as I went through that season, 60 years old, I felt that, I just felt a, uh, not a disturbance, but just a, a sense that my time with the Giants had been fulfilled in a sense. And I felt like a younger, a younger gentleman would do a better job than I could. I, I still felt like I was able to communicate with fellows, but I, 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 there were some things coming in our culture, you know, technology, the internet, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all, all, all of these different things that were kind of passing me by, if you will. And guys were Twittering and, or tweeting, whatever the word is. And well, that's very telling right there that you said Twittering. Twittering. <laughs> the guys were, you know, guys were in a world that, that I had not, uh, that had kind of passed me, if you will. So yeah. I felt, you know, a younger guy could relate, would know about social media and a younger guy would be able to relate to these 21 year olds better than a 60 year old guy could. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just felt it was that time. So I was able to train a younger fellow named John Paul Gonzalez. And John Paul has uh, been his, this will be his coming up fifth year, I believe, where he will have uh, uh, taken over with the Giants. So I'm out of the NFL world, other than I supervise John Paul's work. And so uh, there's that connection. But for the most part, I, uh, I have departed the NFL world, but I still serve as baseball chapel leader for the New York Yankees. And that is a busy time during the season and spring training even. Long uh, season, long season. It is a long season. Right. And I don't travel right. with the Yankees like I once traveled with the Giants, but uh, whenever they are in town, uh, I'm over there two or three times a week. And then I will often, not often, three or four times a season, drive and meet them either in Boston or in Baltimore, two nearby cities where they play right. regularly. And I'll, and I'll join them for uh, have players Bible study or coaches Bible study and one-on-one -on -one times at the hotel before they go to the games that evening or those evenings that they're in town. Hmm. So do you miss the NFL? Yeah. Do you miss that? Uh, being there with those, uh, with the team and all of that, that's uh, so much different, I would imagine, in my mind, so much different than, than baseball. Yes, baseball, uh, there's less direct and, and there's less direct contact with the ball players and team because I don't, I traveled with the giants. And so I had regular connection with them on the weekends uh, in baseball, they're home a week and then they're gone a week, they're home a week and then they're gone a week. So in the course of a six months, the team is away three of those months. Yeah. And so the connection moment with baseball are half of what the football connections are. Yes. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Um, we're talking about faith in sports and obviously for those two teams, for those four teams that you were involved in, you were really, really a big part of that. But it seems to me now, 
I'm going to ask you this this way. It seems to me that um, the NFL, the players in the NFL were more uh, demonstrative about their faith, easier to share it, uh, saying thank God, you know, for, for this victory or, or giving credit to, to Jesus for, you know, whatever was going on, uh, especially with the team. Where baseball, well, let me just say, baseball and almost every other major sport, you know, baseball and, and, and hockey and that kind of stuff, um, they don't have that. Uh, it's almost like, I'll say it to you, it's almost like the Tim Tebow effect has oh. gone through, you know, yeah. the NFL more and even before him. But, and there, you think that's true? And if so, why? The main reason, I, I think it's true, and the main reason I think it's true is because football has the feeling of going to war or going to battle. Uh, two teams are coming together. It's a violent sport. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a fast-moving, dangerous sport. Uh, injuries are much more prevalent in football Yes. than there are in baseball. Now, again, you're, a, a batter is facing a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, yes. but most of the times it, it hits the strike zone or not far from it, and he's not hit that all. You might get a fellow hit with a ball once a game, maybe twice, but in, in football, there are collisions going on uh, every play and sure, dangerous true. type of collisions. Uh, <laughs> I was with Dennis Bird uh, with the Jets, when he was when he broke his neck on the football field at Giant Stadium, uh, and was paralyzed for for several weeks, and That's never played football again, and could hardly walk, can't walk walked out of the hospital, but his gait and whatnot were severely impacted by that broken neck. And so, uh, I read a story about him, George. I read a story about him, and they said to him, uh, "Did you ever say to God, why me?" He says, no, but I always, always say, why not me? Yeah, Dennis me? was a fine, fine man and a yeah. great man of character. Yes. But, but because football has that military war, danger, violent characteristics to it, the guys tend to be a lot more sensitive to uh, looking to God for help, looking to God for protection, looking to God mm. for... Um, grace in terms of of competing without getting hurt uh, or hurting someone else like a foxhole foxhole uh, mentality huh there is that type of feel to it billy and so and so after a game there is this relief and express and desire to express thanks to god for basically mm -hmm. for for not necessarily winning the game but but coming through the game without any serious injury that's that's what the guys are feeling did they, did they pray they, as a team? Did they pray together before the game? Oftentimes, uh, and I can't speak for all the teams, but under Coach Coughlin, for sure, there was the Lord's Prayer was, was prayed um, in the locker room before they went out on the field. And then after the game, you might see on, sometimes on television, the television will cover a meeting at the 50-yard line with players from both teams, coaches as well, who will just come together for – two, three minutes, and just thank God as a group for safety, for, for protection and whatnot. Yeah. So because of the violent nature, uh, football is more expressive. The players and coaches are more expressive 
of their thanks to God. Baseball players have the same heart to thank God for their lives and for the giftedness to be able to play baseball. There just isn't that culture in baseball uh, to come together at the end or to, it, it's not as violent. And so there's not this emotional level feeling of, Hey, we need mm -hmm. to stop after the game now and thank God as yeah. there is in football. I wonder, I wonder why the national hockey league doesn't do that. You know, <laughs> They're pretty up there. They, they are. And it's a, it's a dangerous, that's maybe, maybe oh. more dangerous. Yes. Uh, and uh, for some reason, I haven't seen that in hockey, but yeah. I'm sure they feel somewhat yes. similar. Because they give you weapons so that you can carry around with you. No? That's right. And they give you <laughs> helmets to protect yourself and other parts of your body. And, and they exactly. do that in football, too. But the weapons in hockey are something that football does not have. Right. That's right. That's right. So all of the social things that are going on now in uh, our country, uh, Black Lives Matter and... Uh, you know, all the political unrest that uh, has been over the last uh, few years and all that stuff, that seems to very much um, affect some pro sports, very much. Mm -hmm. But like we said, it doesn't seem to affect baseball like that, but it did in, in the NFL and more so, I believe, either, even in the NBA, yeah. in, in basketball. And uh, it's, it's, it's unique to me to think that why would this particular league be so involved in uh, the social issues and other not at all, not that they're not involved individually, but there, there's not, and maybe it just has to do with the culture. Maybe it's the culture of what's going on with those leagues and stuff. Yes. And, uh, NFL, NBA, at least 80% of the teams are African-American and, yeah. and the NBA, maybe 90% sometimes. Yes. So yeah, yeah, that's true. So you've got a, a population of guys who are, who, who have had experiences in the past that they, through which they can relate to the George Floyds, not that they were ever pinned down by a police officer and, and killed by a police officer, but uh, I've talked to many players and, and coaches, African-American coaches who uh, were, had been stopped, pulled over by a policeman. And the only obvious, the only reason they could Im yes. imagine why they were pulled over was they, of their skin color. And yes. so there's a much greater sensitivity in the NFL and NBA toward some of this injustice because of their background experiences yes. and maybe a family member was uh, treated unjustly. And so I think that's why it showed up more in football and in basketball, as opposed to baseball and hockey, where the percentages are so far lower in terms of the cultural backgrounds of the players and coaches. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, George, our time is uh, pretty much up. And uh, I so much appreciate you spending this time with us on this podcast. And and uh, I, I'm just hoping that sometime in the future, you'll come back and share a little bit more about your wonderful experience. The only negative I want to say about you is that every time I see you, you look the same age. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think that that's fair to some of us. 
Okay. Really, this has been a delight, and it went so fast. I, 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 I guess it's good that it went fast, but it seemed like it went fast. But um, anytime I could be of connection with you, it would be a privilege and a treat. So let's let's uh, do this again. At, at we your, will, George. We will say hi to your your wonderful bride and uh, your family, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. God bless you, brother. Thank you, Billy. Bye bye.